is Dr. Dan Diamond, and welcome to Healthy Headline News, cutting-edge medical stuff that you can actually use. In this episode, I got some information that you're going to find fascinating and well worth your while. We're going to take a look today at those cloth grocery bags that can carry actually more than just your groceries. In fact, if you're not careful, they can carry something that can wreck your day. Also, we're going to talk about losing weight while you're sleeping. Are you kidding? Is it really possible? Just when you thought you heard everything about television and what it can do to your children, I've got something else that you need to know about. And how about this? Have you thought about using an iPad as a babysitter? What do you think about that idea? Got some controversial news from the FDA. One of their advisory boards is now recommending approval of the first drug to prevent HIV, but it is controversial, and I'll tell you why. I've got a great quote from my friend Scott Halford from CompleteIntelligence.com. I think you'll really like this quote. And I've got an article from uh, Ken Wirt on his blog. He's got a, a very fascinating article called No Free Handouts. You Have to Work for Your Happiness. We'll take a run through on that. And then you're going to wish that you had known this years ago, and that is how do you stop a baby from crying within just 40 Five seconds. So some great stuff on the agenda for today. Let's get going. Oregon health officials reported in the Journal of Infectious Disease that they traced an isolated outbreak of a virus called norovirus to one of those reusable cloth grocery bags. This happened back in October of 2010, and there was an Oregon girls soccer team that had traveled up to Seattle and was staying in the hotel there when one of the students got sick with stomach cramps and vomiting and diarrhea, and she spent most of the night in the bathroom. Unfortunately, one of the chaperones had placed one of those cloth grocery bags in the bathroom, had some cookies and chips in there. I don't think she was in there eating it. Uh, because she was pretty sick, but there was some droplet spray that got on that bag. The team didn't know it, but the next day when these 13- and 14-year-old team members were on the bus, they passed that bag all around the bus and shared all the snacks. But by Monday, there were six other girls that got sick. Norovirus, it turns out, is very, very contagious. You only need as few as 12 viri Uh, to be ingested before you'll get sick, which is a very low number, so it's easy to pass. We had huge problems with it here in my neck of the woods. We had to actually shut down one wing of the hospital because it became so rampant going through our community. It's the virus that is known as the cruise ship virus. It is uh, notorious for shutting down cruise ships. Interestingly, when they swab this bag down for microbes a full two weeks after this episode, researchers found that there were still some virus particles on that bag. This is the first time that this virus has been linked to an inanimate object. So think about this. When you're using those, those reusable grocery bags, you ought to throw them in the wash once in a while. They could be potentially dangerous if you're uh, transporting raw poultry, meat, eggs, and produce, things that could carry bacteria, things like E. coli, salmonella, and good grief, now even norovirus. Now, there was a study that was recently published in the Journal of Sleep that addressed this whole concept of weight gain and sleep. 
It turns out that if you don't get enough sleep, you increase the likelihood that you may end up obese. Well, that's kind of fascinating. Let me tell you a little bit about sleep and what's involved in doing these sleep studies. These deep, deep phases of sleep, which are also called delta sleep or slow wave sleep, and more, more recently N3, is an important part of the whole sleep architecture that happens during the night. It's these high-amplitude, low-frequency delta waves that happen during this phase, and it's that phase of sleep where people are incredibly difficult to wake up. If you wake your kid up and they're in this deep sleep, they're almost zombie-like. Well, there's a lot of important physiological processes that happen during that deep sleep. It usually happens in the first couple of cycles at night. Human growth hormone is released in a pulsed manner during that deep sleep. Interruption of that stage can stop the release of the hormone. Well, it turns out that if you don't have enough growth hormone release, it puts you at increased risk for gaining weight. The study that they published in the Sleep Journal looked at 1,088 pairs of twins, and they found that sleeping less than seven hours a night was associated with both an increase in your body mass index and a greater impact of the genetic influences on body mass index. In other words, if you come from a family that tends to run a bit on the heavy side and you're not getting enough sleep, you're really in trouble. In fact, you're twice as in trouble than you would be if you got a full night's sleep. So if you come from a family of people that are overweight as a rule, you need to be sure that you're getting a full night's sleep. So don't skip out. Of course, you can't lose weight by staying in bed all the time. Eventually, you're going to have to get up and eat right when you're up, and you're going to need to get some exercise. But don't forget to get at least seven hours of sleep every night. More bad news about kids and television. There was a recent study that was published in the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine by Lipsky and Lenati that showed that children that watch television tend to eat more junk food. For every hour that a kid watches television, they're 8% less likely to eat fruit every day and 18% more likely to eat candy and 16% more likely to eat fast foods. That's worth keeping an eye on. If your kids are going to spend a lot of time in front of the television, at least try to provide some healthy snacks. You have the power to influence that if you don't have these bad foods in the house and you give them an opportunity to eat good foods, you may be able to make a dent. Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics suggests that at least you keep an eye on how much time your kids are watching TV, and they're recommending that at most two hours a day for the youngest children would be the max. Avoiding TV altogether, of course, is not realistic, uh, but I would put some limits on it. It was told that that Bill Gates actually limited his child to only 45 minutes of total non-school screen time per day when they were younger. That's worth thinking about. Keep an eye on your kids. Keep an eye on the TV. Keep an eye on the junk food. Now, how about the iPad as a babysitting instrument? Reasonable? Well, it's worth thinking about. It's worth talking about. Nancy Ferrari at health.harvard.edu recently published an article where she looked at the impact of screen time on kids. She quoted an article from Anne Densmore, who's an expert in speech and language development and co-author of a book called Your Successful Preschooler. Uh, And she had some good tips that I think are helpful for us to know about. 
Ann Densmore says, screen time is here to stay for young children and we can't stop it. The world's inescapably online and digital. Even schools are replacing textbooks with iPads and digital text, so moms and dads really need to figure out what's right for their families. There was a study published in 2010 in the Journal of Pediatrics that suggested that kids who spend more than two hours a day watching TV or on the computer are more prone to psychological difficulties. This is why the American Academy of Pediatrics has suggested that as a limit, as I mentioned earlier. She goes on to say, in my opinion, the goal of a child's interaction with screen-based games should be to help him or her learn a concept, to formulate and generate ideas, to help with communications, or to develop basic preschool skills. There was a study that uh, came from Children's Media Center at Georgetown University that was published in the Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology that showed that interactivity and adult modeling help children to learn how to task better than just passive viewing of the same material. So if you're going to have your kids in front of the iPad, it's a good idea to sit down with them and problem solve with them. It's that interaction with an adult that is especially helpful. But come on, be real. You know that sometimes you just need a digital babysitter, and I don't think you need to feel guilty about it. Just don't make a habit out of it. The FDA is back and involved in scandal again. One of their advisory boards now has recommended approval of the first drug to prevent HIV. It's a a medication called Truvada. That's spelled T-R-U-V-A-D-A. They're recommending it for healthy people who are at high risk of contracting HIV. And that includes gay and bisexual men and heterosexual couples where one of them is infected with the HIV. Now, of course, the FDA is not required to follow the panel's advice, although usually it does. The final decision is expected to come out by June 15th, 2012. Why is this controversial? Well, one of the concerns is if people start taking medication like Truveda, that they're going to be less diligent about protection and maybe perhaps less likely to use condoms. The other thing that's interesting about Truveda is that the patients have to take it Every single day, if they miss even a single day, it significantly decreases the efficacy. And, of course, there's the whole idea of cost. The average cost for Truvada right now is about $900 a month or just under $11,000 a year. Stay tuned. We'll see whether or not the FDA actually approves this for the prevention of HIV. Scott Halford from CompleteIntelligence.com is a good friend of mine. Uh, And he's got a quote that I wanted to share with you today. This is worth thinking about, worth celebrating, and maybe even worth writing down. The quote is this. Our brains are much more tickled when they're focused on how we spend our time now, not how we wished we were spending it. Isn't that great? Our brains are much more tickled when we're focused on how we spend our time now, not how we wished we were spending it. This comes back to something that I've discussed previously, and that's this idea of time zones. I think a lot of us are living in the wrong time zone, and that sets us up for trouble. We're so busy worried about what we have to do two or three hours from now that we miss out on the here and now. When we do that, life feels short. Life feels empty, and we miss the opportunities of enjoying 
the very moment that we're in at the time and the moment that we're spending with the people around us. So slow down. Make sure you're living in the right time zone and tickle your brain a little bit more. Ken Wirt on April 1st on his website, dumblittleman.com, posted a, an article called No Free Handouts, You Have to Work for Your Happiness. Great concept. And on there, he's got a list of the different things that you can work on to improve your happiness. He's got a, a, a wonderful list here, but his article is comparing it to weight loss and how weight loss is actually much easier than working on improving your happiness. I don't know that I agree with him on that, but he does have a great list of ways that you can improve your happiness. The first thing on his list is kindness. He said, just try imagining a happy, mean person. There aren't any out there. When you're nice to other people, you start feeling better about life. His second thing is gratitude. And we've talked before about gratitude and the impact of keeping a gratitude journal. Profound impact that's been studied If you'll just write down in a journal three things a day that you're grateful for, it will make a tremendous difference even months from now. Even if you just did it for one week, six months from now, you'll still be thinking differently than you do now without doing a gratitude journal. The third thing on his list is optimism and keeping a a good positive outlook. I've talked before about the idea of target fixation, that your eye will determine where you're going to go. If you focus on the negative in your life, that list will grow very rapidly. If you focus on the positive in life, that list will grow very rapidly as well. Try that in your relationships. The person that you're that you most value in your life, if you start keeping a list of all the negative things that you don't like, that list will grow very rapidly. But if you also, on the other hand, keep a list of all the things that you like about the other person, that will also grow and have a very positive impact on your relationship. So optimism makes a big difference. His fourth thing is love. Fifth thing is finding meaning in life. This is something that Viktor Frankl did, the psychiatrist that was captured by the Germans during World War II and tortured for seven years in the concentration camps. He got through that by finding meaning in his life and realizing that someday he would be able to go on and teach about the things that he had learned in the concentration camp. Number six, having a passion for your work or hobby or family or club, getting involved in something. And number seven, growth and improvement. Stagnation is no recipe for more happiness. It's getting involved in new things and trying something that you haven't done before. Number eight, human decency. Number nine, patience. Number 10, faith. Number 11, overcoming obstacles and challenges in life, getting yourself geared up. Brendan Burchard talks about how a power plant does not have energy. It generates energy. And when you face these obstacles, we have the ability to dig in, raise our energy, and overcome the challenges. Number 12, accepting and coping with challenges that are insurmountable. 13, developing a positive attitude. Seeing the good in others, the self and circumstances, that ties again back into this concept of target fixation. Number 14, overcoming debilitating, growth-limiting fears, doubt, and insecurities. Sometimes it helps to get some counseling to overcome those sorts of things. Number 15, building character. And number 16, overcoming character flaws such as selfishness, greed, hate, hyperjudgmentalism, etc. So there's the list. You might check out the article on Dumb Little Man with Ken Wirt. I think that's worth the read.
Now let's get down to the important thing. Let's talk about how it is you stop a baby's cry within 45 seconds. Now I'm, I'm talking specifically about how you stop a baby's cry after they've received a vaccine within 45 seconds. Doctors at Children's Hospital King's Daughters in Norfolk, Virginia, have found an easy way, it's actually five things, to help calm a baby's pain and anxiety without any medication. It's called, they call it the five S's. They, that stands for swaddling, which is wrapping a baby up in a blanket, sort of like a burrito, side or stomach positioning, sushing sounds, swinging, and sucking. If babies did just four out of the five S's, they usually stop crying within 45 seconds of the shot. And this is just in an article that was recently published in the Journal of Pediatrics. They looked at 230 healthy infants that came in at their two-month checkups and their four-month checkups. They divided them into four groups. The first group was just given two milliliters of water two minutes before getting the vaccine. The second group was given two milliliters of sugar water, which was believed to be very helpful for this. The third group was given only the five S's after the shot. And the last group was given two milliliters of sugar water before the shot and the five S's after the vaccine. At least four of the five S's had to be completed. Um, You know, sometimes the babies were not able to suck on a pacifier because they were crying too hard or they had already calmed down or they didn't use pacifiers. So they had to have at least four out of the five S's So what Dr. Harrington, the author, found was that it was very helpful to just do the five S's. They thought that it was going to be, the the ultimate was going to be to do the five S's plus a little bit of sugar water, Um, but they found that really there was no difference doing the five S's alone or doing the five S's with the sugar water. Most babies that got the physical intervention stopped crying by 45 seconds. Interesting. Interesting stuff. By the way, it was found and uh, published in the journal Lancet that giving acetaminophen or Tylenol uh, before or after a vaccine actually makes the vaccines less effective. So we're not recommending giving acetaminophen or Tylenol to babies prior to getting vaccines anymore. We're just recommending now the five S's, swaddling, side or stomach position, sushing sounds, swinging and sucking. You're listening to Dr. Dan Diamond. This is healthy headline news stuff that you can use to help you and your family get healthy and stay healthy. Thanks for listening.